I'm just gonna I'm just gonna chat for a few minutes with you. I, I I'm sure that if you um were on if you're on social media or if you're on if you're in the world at all, then you saw this week that our our world was deeply captured by by the news that that something was on fire. Anybody notice that news this week? Right, that Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris was on fire, and and most of the world was watching this happen. Most of the world was, was looking at this and talking about this and going, oh my goodness, this is such a terrible thing. This is just such an awful thing. What are we going to do? Because it's this huge, huge piece of history. It's, this, it's this, this building that carries so much meaning, especially for the people that are in France. And so I was watching as the news spread and as people were going, oh, is it going to burn all the way down? And then the spire fell and all that. And so I was watching on social media because I like to see people's reactions. I like to see how people are reacting to news that happens. And, and I know there's all kinds of social media platforms. My go-to is Twitter. I like going on Twitter and seeing what people have to say. And it always interests me. And, and so, for example, this was one response that I, that I saw. And it was when um, news came out that, and it said, by far the greatest blessing, a miracle, is that the North, the North Tower had survived. And, uh, and they were just really excited about that. And somebody retweeted that, and they wrote at the top, okay? I don't know if you can read it. This is what they wrote. I don't believe in Jesus, etc. but if I did... Man, would this shore up my faith. And I thought, huh. <laughs> and I, and, and I, please know that anything I say this morning is not intended as any disrespect or anything else. But I thought, well, I know, I know that's a sentimental response. And I know, you know, they're just, they're just speaking out of their heart. And that, that's fine. But I thought, like, I wonder what they meant by that. What does that mean? <laughs> well, I don't think, I don't believe in Jesus. But if Jesus saved, I would believe in him because he saves parts of historic buildings. I don't. I don't know. It's interesting. What did they mean by that? And then, you know, other people, and I didn't catch a screenshot of it, but other people were leaving messages saying, oh, we're praying for, for Christians and we're praying for Catholics because of Notre Dame Cathedral on fire. And I saw one person respond and they said, listen, I'm not Christian or Catholic, but you should be praying for all of us in France while this is happening. And I thought, why? I mean, not why, I don't mean that nasty, but I mean, you know, if you're not religious and if you don't care about God and you don't have any belief in that, well, then why would you ask for prayer? Because France is a pretty secular society, right? They're pretty strong on that. I thought, and why would you say, no, you should be praying for all of us because a building is a, I mean, I thought, huh, it's interesting. I wonder why. And then I, and then I saw this, this video clip. And it was a group of people that were standing on a sidewalk and they were watching the fire. They were watching Notre Dame on, on fire and they were singing. You can't hear it because we've got it muted, but they were singing Ave Maria. This group of people is standing there just spontaneously singing Ave Maria, which is referencing a prayer to Mary, the mother of Jesus, and asking her for help. And I thought, why? Like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know those people that are singing, so maybe I'm wrong. But uh, my guess is that they're probably not people who pray regularly. They're probably not people who specifically believe in God. So then why? If that's the case, why? Why, why pray now? Why, why are they there? Why, why are they here? And I don't mean any disrespect by this. It just, it just baffles me. This is what goes on in my brain. Of course, then I wonder, (laughs) 
why are you here? And I go, no, no, not you, okay, the person beside you. Why, why are you here? And I don't mean any disrespect, so, so don't be offended, okay? But every pastor knows in every church that on Easter Sunday, we are going to be packed out, right? We all know that, and it baffles me. And I'm just going to tell you a secret that I just, I just need you. It baffles me as a pastor because I want to go, Why? Why are you here? If you are here on Easter Sunday and you are one who believes that it's true and believes that it matters and that's why you're here, then why aren't you here all the other Sundays? I'm just asking. Because if it's true that Jesus rose from the dead, then wouldn't that warrant more than one Sunday a year? It seems to me. And, and if you're a person who doesn't believe and you don't think any of this is true, why would you be here today? Like, what's, what's the point? And, and, and for those of you that are sitting here a little bit smug right now going, well, I'm always here, right? Why? Why are you always here? And, and I hope I know, I think I know what your general answer would be, but, but why are you here at the cross with me today? Why are you here? So this week, uh, my attention was caught um, by a scripture that, that is, is easy to overlook, and it's a small segment in John's gospel. And it's just a story of Jesus, and it's before the crucifixion. It's before all of that drama. He's just hanging out at his friend's place. And he's at the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And maybe you've heard the stories. And, and Lazarus was a guy that just before, he had actually raised him from the dead, which is a pretty good story. And so now he's back at their house, and it says that a large crowd came to where Jesus was. And when I was reading this scripture this week, I noticed the reason that they were there. This is what it says in John chapter 12. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there, and they came, not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he raised from the dead. So the chief priests, who, by the way, had already decided they were going to kill Jesus. So they, the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well because on account of him, on account of Lazarus, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing in him. So I went, oh, that's interesting. People weren't just there because of Jesus. They weren't only there because of Jesus. They were there because of Lazarus. They were there because of Lazarus' story of Jesus. That's why they were there. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. And then it made me ask myself, what's my story of Jesus? What, why am I here today? Which is awkward, right? Y'all just, y'all just got awkward in the moment when I go, why am I here? You have to be here. <laughs> Doesn't she know she's the pastor? She has to be here. I'm paid to be here, right? And that, that would be, and I get that a lot. Now, nobody ever says that to my face because that would be rude. So nobody says that to my face. But I know it's happening because some of you tell me other people say it. That's right. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. But everybody knows, you know, everybody knows that the pastor, of course, would. Nobody ever asks why the pastor is in church on Easter Sunday morning. Nobody ever does because everybody knows the pastor's holier, right? 
And pastors, we don't live real lives. We're not regular people. Uh, The pastor, she has to be here. And, by the way, she should be a little more dressed up than usual because it's Easter Sunday, for goodness sake. Wouldn't it be awful if that was the reason I was here? I mean, wouldn't that be just because I'm paid to be and I have to? So here's, here's what I'm going to do, okay? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take off my pastor's shoes. And they're great shoes, by the way. I'm going to take off my, my pastor's shoes. Now, this is going to just take me just a second here because I don't, I don't want you to think that I'm here today because I'm a pastor. I just, I just want to be patty. So just give me a sec. to tie them up. Otherwise, you're all going to worry. I'm going to trip over my shoes while I'm talking. And these are my, my old running shoes. And, I mean old. These are the shoes I used to garden in. Um, and this is, this is what I wear when I'm not on a stage on Sunday morning, okay? I wear my old running shoes. These are my, this is when I'm not Pastor Patty. I'm just Patty. And sometimes I wear Jeff's big hoodie because it's more comfortable than my clothes. And I wear my old shoes, and these are the shoes that I wear when I'm just a regular person, and, and nobody that I'm around knows that I'm a pastor, and if they did, they certainly don't care, and these are the shoes that I walk my dog in. And you go, why are you doing that, Patty? <laughs> it's a little disrespectful. Because I want to make a point today that I'm not here because I'm the pastor, and I'm not here because of tradition, and I'm not here because a beautiful cathedral caught on fire in Paris this week. I'm here today at the cross with you because I have a story. I have my story of Jesus. And I want to tell it to you. Now, I used to, I'm just going to shove this over. I used to really agonize over my story because. I thought it was kind of boring. And, and so I used to hear stories of, you know, there's some people that have stories of, of they, were, they were in alcoholism or they were uh, drug addicted or, or their marriage was on the rocks and their marriage was healed and, and they were delivered from drugs and suddenly they're not alcoholics anymore. And everything, had, you know, their story of meeting Jesus was everything had been terrible and now everything was wonderful and I didn't have a story like that. And then I, I would hear stories of people who had no, no knowledge at all of Jesus. They had never heard of Jesus. They didn't know anything about Jesus. Some of you have stories like this. And then they just had a dream or they had a vision or they all of a sudden just heard this voice and they were, they were flooded with the knowledge that Jesus was God. They just, they just knew that Jesus was alive and Jesus was God and they immediately gave their lives to him. And I, but I didn't have a story like that. And, and so I didn't like my story because I don't really have a lot of drama in my story of Jesus. No, no horrible, deep depths of, of hidden sin. Not even, you know, really awful traumatic pain particularly. My story of Jesus is not, it's not a very interesting story at all, actually. 
My story of Jesus starts with some of my earliest memories. It actually starts with other people's stories of Jesus because I, I was raised in a family that believed in Jesus. And so, so one, some of my earliest memories of Jesus, my story of Jesus starts in a church because my family was a church every time the doors open. And so I, I was one of those little kids that walked around. I fell asleep there during choir practices. You know, I knew how to wire to wander. I would crawl in under the tables during a potluck dinner. I knew where the hiding places were in the church building. And I, 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 I did crafts. I sang songs in kids' program. It was a place where I belonged. It was a place that was home. It was a place that was good. And people there had stories of Jesus. So, so you know, I was there for that. And then some of my earliest, uh, my story of Jesus starts with some, some of my earliest memories of, again, of other people's stories, not just in my church, but in my family. When we were at my, my grandparents' house, my grandparents were farmers, and we would sit there at breakfast, and my grandpa would, would do family devotions at, at breakfast. He would read the Bible, and he would pray at breakfast, and he did it so slow, so slow. And I'd be, I'm not allowed to leave, so I'm this little kid, and I'm just like squirming around. And, and he, would, he would read the scriptures, and he would pray the same prayer every time. But I remember that even though he prayed the exact same prayer every time, he would cry every single time because this strong, powerful farmer had such a soft heart. And that became part of my story. And I have memories of bedtime prayers with my parents, you know, every night making sure we prayed before we went to sleep. And I have memories of, of, of Christmas. And, and, you know, we, were, we enjoyed Santa, but we knew that the real meaning of Christmas was Jesus, and it was his birthday. And so, so we did that. And so my family, my church had a story of Jesus, and I was there for that. And my family had a story of Jesus, and I was there for that. But then there's more to it than that, because then my story... It starts kind of, some of my memories are having a story of experimental prayers. And I don't know if any of you ever did this, but I remember hearing, you know, that God answers prayer. And I was like, well, let's try. And so I remember as a kid that one day it was raining and I had come home for lunch from school and I had to go back to school and it was raining, couldn't find my umbrella. And I thought, well, I'm going to try this out. And so I, I, you know, I planted my feet and I really screwed up my faith, you know, just, I'm just going to concentrate and I have deep faith. I'm going to pray, and I ask God, God, would you miraculously show me where my umbrella is? And he didn't. (laughs) And I had to walk to school in the rain. And I noted at that moment, I actually remember this. I noted, okay, so God answers prayer, but he doesn't always give me everything I want. All right. I was okay with that. My parents worked that way, so, so that made sense to me. But then, you know, you just keep going. And so through my growing up years, I had all these moments of just of praying or of reaching out to God or, or really just seeking and wanting to know Jesus for myself, not just because of my church, not just because of my family. I wanted my own story of Jesus, and I, I just somehow knew I needed my own story of Jesus. And so there were moments of, of committing my life to Jesus in different settings where, where an opportunity would be given to give your life to Jesus. And, and I learned that the Bible said that, that Jesus had said, take up your, your cross and follow me, which meant give up your life to follow Jesus. And I knew that's what the Bible said. And I, and I knew that Jesus had said, listen, if you're going to follow me, if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, you need to count the cost. You need to know what you're signing up for before you do, because you, you need to know what the cost is. And so I grew up with those verses and I would pray those prayers. I would go, Jesus, I'm going to take up my cross and follow you. 
I have counted the cost. I will give anything. I will do anything. My life belongs to you. And I said that in prayer lots of times growing up because I wanted to have my own story of Jesus. And then in uh, 1985, when I was about 14 years old, I'll just pause and let you do that math. There you go. Okay, 1985, uh, I had a moment all by myself, and I was in Alaska. What? So I was in Alaska for a summer with a, a group of teenagers, and we were all there at this camp, and we were serving there and, 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 so, and working there. And so we each took a turn during the summer doing what was called a night watch. Everybody had a turn. And it meant that you would go out. We were in Alaska at this camp, and there was a lake. And so we would, we would go out, and it would just be one person at a time. So at, at night, so my night comes, and it means I go out to the dock on the lake because that's where we had set up a chair. And I'm supposed to just be there by myself, and I'm supposed to pray. And I'm supposed to meet with God. And I, I was really excited about it. I thought, oh, it's going to be great. And, and then I remember going out there and sitting on this dock in the darkness and the silence of the lake. And I, I don't remember a lot of it, which is weird because I was there for several hours. But I, I remember sitting there. And at first I was like, awkward. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Like my church isn't here. And my family's not here. And it's very silent at night. And so how am I... How am I supposed to pray? What am I, what am I supposed to do here? And at first it seemed a little bit awkward, a little bit long, and a little bit boring, and oh, how long before I get to go back to bed? And all I can tell you is that somewhere in there something shifted. And I don't really remember really what it was, except I knew that when I left that dock and went back to bed, I knew that somehow I had met with God. And that Jesus was real. And something had changed. And I came home at the end of that summer in Alaska, just knowing that I had my own story now. I had a story that was starting to begin. It's not just the story of my parents, not just the story of my grandparents, not just the story of my church, but my own story of Jesus was beginning. And so then my story of Jesus uh, included changing some vague plans I had. I had, I don't know where I got this idea, but I had this vague plan that I was going to move to France someday and I was going to become a business executive there. I have no idea where that came from. And, and I was in college, still here in Canada, and I was between my years of college, and I was just going through one of those times where I just I spent a summer between the two years there, just so disturbed within and just going, you know, something, I feel like God has something more for me. I feel like I want to follow Jesus. I want to know, and just, God, what do you want from me? What, what do you want from me? And I, I was agonizing over it for a summer, and I would go for long walks, and I walked so fast, and I'd just be praying, and I'd be crying, going, God, what is it that you want from me? How can I... How can I have a story of Jesus? And then one day I was just praying with a friend. I was talking to her about it. And I just sort of started talking. And it became an aha moment because I said, you know, I just have this longing to, to learn the Bible and to learn theology and to learn what it means to be a pastor. And that is what I really want to do. And she kind of looked at me and I went, oh, right? oh, I should do that. And so, and so I did, and I went on to theological and pastoral training, not knowing what would come after that. And so that's what I did. Now, one of the biggest moments in my story of Jesus, just Patty, just standing here, it was after I had become a pastor, 
And, and I was supposed to already have it all together because everybody knows pastors have it all together. And so I was already a, a pastor on staff at a church, and I'm working in what is a very familiar setting to me of, of church, and life is good. I'm not in any kind of a crisis, no trauma, nothing. And I went to a service at another church where it seemed like God was meeting with people. And, and so I went to this service, and nobody there knew me. They didn't know who I was. didn't matter. And, and they said, you know, if you want, we'll pray for you, and we'll pray that you can experience God. And so I thought, well, that that's a good thing. I was a little bit nervous because I didn't know them, but I, I, I'm comfortable with people praying for me. So I went, okay, I'm going to do this. And so, so I went up there and I, I knew it was a good thing to do. And, and the strangest thing started to happen to me because people started to pray for me that didn't know me and just started crying. I'm like, what's happening? <laughs> I didn't know what was happening. And, and for days I went back, and for weeks I went back, and even for months I would go back, and nobody knew who I was, but they would just pray for me. And every time somebody prayed for me, just tears would start to come. And you go, well, you must have been really upset. I didn't know. My brain was over here going, what are you doing? <laughs> and, and I just, and I, but it was just like something was softening inside of me or something was being opened up inside of me, and I could only assume that it was God doing something. And it's a long story, and I don't have time to tell it this morning. But over a period of months, even years, really, there's a whole journey in there, I started to understand what it meant to not only follow Jesus, but to experience the love of Jesus. And I started to understand that Jesus' love for me was absolutely complete and absolutely unconditional. That's huge. It meant that I, I couldn't impact it, and I couldn't, I couldn't change it. There's nothing I could do to make God love me more. Nothing I could do that would cause him to love me less. I just started, and, and how I lived my life mattered. Of course it mattered. And I had been raised and I understood the morals and the how to live right and all. And how I lived mattered, but it wasn't in order to earn something from God. It wasn't in order to go, look, I'm good enough. Can you, can you let me be part of your family? It's an outcome of understanding the incredible love that Jesus has for me, the one who knows me better than anybody else and loves me anyway. <laughs> And living my life in a way that matters as an outcome of understanding that love that Jesus had for me. And, and I, I couldn't change it. And I didn't need to. And it was, it was such a huge mind-blowing moment for me because the love of Jesus was just there. Just inviting me to receive it. And then inviting me to just go ahead and live a life of, of courage. Because what could you possibly fear if the God of the universe loves you? And a life of, of generosity because I don't have to hoard anything because the God who provides everything loves me. And a life of joy and a life of, of faith and a life of integrity and a life of holiness because how, would I, how could I want to live less than who God created me to be? And, and suddenly I had no need. I don't have to defend myself. I don't have to prove myself to anybody. I don't have to, you know, protect, be self-protecting all the time. And, and I also don't have to be God. Thank the Lord. I don't have to be God with all the answers and with all of the, you know, the solutions and all the power and, and absolutely perfect. It's not my job to be God. Just, just be me. I am known by Jesus and unconditionally loved by Jesus, even though he knows me.
the God of the universe entered my world, entered our world. Jesus joined our world, and he showed me how to live and sacrificed himself for me because he loves me. That's my story of Jesus. That's why I'm here at the cross with you today. Why are you here? This week, um, one of you stopped by, a woman who attends our church, and and stopped by the office, and and she told me her story of Jesus. And I'm not going to tell all the details because it's her story to tell. But she said, Pastor Patty, you know, a while ago, you said at the end of a service, you said that we can't reveal Jesus if we haven't experienced him. And, And you said that maybe you're a Christian because it's the thing to do, and you've been doing it your whole life, and it's just, you know, you sort of believe in God. But you haven't yourself experienced Jesus. You don't know if you've been, you know, had this thing within this moment moment, this story of Jesus been found by God in a long time. And she said, Patty, you said at the end of the service that if that was true for us, you said, you can ask God, just God, would you find me? And God, would you help me to know you? And she said to me, so I did. And, it, and I didn't use any words. It was just, it was just a prayer of my heart. And then she's in, this, she's in the office this week telling me this story. So several days after she did that, there's this completely unexpected crisis that erupted in her life. And she and her daughter told me this week that this crisis, which they had no idea was coming, became a series of God moments. A series of moments where they knew God was there and God was speaking and God was leading and God was loving and God was helping. And it wasn't that God had caused the crisis. There's no punishment in there. That's not what it was about. It was, just, it was but what, when it happened, he was there. And he was there in ways that mattered deeply and in ways that carried meaning for them. And he was just showing his unconditional love. And she's telling me this story this week. And she says, you know, I used to hear other people's stories of experiencing God. And I interrupted her while she's telling me. I used to hear other people's stories. And I go, oh, and you wondered where your story was. And you know what she said? No. I used to hear other people's stories. I just figured they were exaggerating. I thought, oh, that's fine, you know, fine for them. This is meaning for them, but obviously it's not true. And she goes, but now I know it's true. I have a story of Jesus. I have experienced God, and I know that God is here with me. And that's why she's here at the cross with you and with me today. That's why. Why are you here? What's your story of Jesus? I'm going to ask if you would bow your heads at this moment and close your eyes. And the reason I do this is because I try to, in the middle of a crowd, give you an opportunity to reflect on your own and to to just have a moment, just you and God. And so sometimes it helps if you bow your head and, and close your eyes. And so I'm asking you to do that. And let me just talk with you for a moment. And, and then let me, I'm going to pray, okay? I'd be grateful if you would just keep your head bowed while we do this. It's really easy to uh, come here on Easter Sunday morning and listen to me say things. And it's easy to assume, oh, she's the pastor. That's why she's here. No. 
And it, it would be easy to think, well, you know, Christianity and following Jesus, that's just a crutch for people that are messed up and people that are weak. And, you know, I don't, I don't say this with arrogance, but by most standards, like I was raised in a good family and I was doing well. And by most standards, I didn't need anything, but I'm still here. And it's also easy for you to think, well, look at her up on the platform. She's never had any pain. She's never had any doubts. She doesn't struggle with her faith. She doesn't know what real life is. And I can tell you that at the moment of deepest pain in my life, which was just a few years ago, when my faith was so fragile that I wasn't sure I was going to make it, and I finally worked up the nerve and I prayed this prayer and I said, God, I am not okay. And, and things have happened and, and I, I am damaged by it. Things have happened that aren't right and I'm not okay. And I prayed, I got up the nerve finally to pray that prayer to God. And I could hear this quiet voice in my heart of God responding saying, but Patty, you said you would follow me. And you said you would take up your cross and give up your life. And yes, things have happened. You said you counted the cost. So what has changed? And I knew that God was saying to me, but I, I still deeply love you. You are still on the right track, so come, follow me. And it was the beginning of healing for me. And that's why I'm here today. I'm here because Jesus found me, and he called me to follow him. And I'm here in this church because this is family here. This is home. It's where we can let our walls down a little bit because we know that we all stand on common ground and we have the same faith and we all have a story of Jesus. Most of us do. We have a story of Jesus and and we share this belief. We have this crazy idea that a man who lived and died 2,000 years ago is still alive today. And more than that, we have this crazy belief that he's actually God. Because I believe that he's God, my life belongs to him. And not just, not just my eternity, not just after I die, my now. My, my Sunday, my Monday, my, my today, my career, my marriage, my, my finances, my words, my health, my shoes. So on Easter Sunday morning, and every Sunday morning, I am here at the cross with the God who loves me and with his family. We aren't perfect, but we are loved. And we belong. And we are home. And that's why we're here. So with your heads bowed, some of you are here once a year, as you always are. And so I mean this with the utmost respect. I want to ask you, why are you here? What's your story of Jesus? And if you don't know, or if you don't have a story, could I just suggest maybe let down the walls a little bit and ask him to give you one. Ask him to come and be part of your life. And you go, well, Patty, I tried that once and it didn't work. It's not, that's not, it's not a thing that you try and that works or doesn't work. My story is a lifetime long. 
It's not a single event. It doesn't work. It's a story of seeking and finding God and being found by Jesus and over time growing in that and and learning to live in that. And you go, well, I'm not even sure it's true. Well, then there's no risk, is there? Got nothing to lose. There's no harm in asking. And some of you are here because you're always here and it's just what you do. But again, with respect, I want to ask you, why? Why are you here? What's your story of Jesus? Would you be able to tell it if I asked you? And if you don't know, or if you need a renewal of your story with Jesus, can I just invite you to pray the same prayer? Let the walls down just a little bit and invite him in again. Patty, are you saying I'm not a Christian? No. Everybody's stories has ups and downs. We all have moments when we need to experience God again. So why don't you ask him? Don't be afraid. He already knows. He loves you anyway. So I'm going to pray this prayer and you can whisper it along with me if you want to. Jesus, here we are. And we're at the foot of the cross with you. And some of us are here because we know you. Some of us are here because we know somebody else who knows you. And there's something within us that longs to be known by you and to be loved by you. So as we whisper this prayer all across this room, Jesus inviting you in, would you make your story our story? Would you meet with each one? Would you draw us close to your heart? Show us who you are. And would you call us to follow you? And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.